Hello, everyone. <laughs> I'm a bit shorter than you are, so I'm just going <laughs> to sort myself out for a moment. So, um, so thanks for that. That's really great. So I've obviously been thinking about this parable for what seems like a long time now, and I can't believe I'm finally here about to do my talk. So um, if I've not met you before, uh, just to introduce myself, I'm Jenny Button. And with this parable in mind, I wanted to continue the summer theme of everyone, every day, and everywhere. And as well as looking at the parable, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about my own story and my own journey, if that's okay with you. So we'll see how we get on. So I became a Christian in my first year of medical school, back in 1994. Um, I was living in a flat um, in halls with a few other girls, and one of them was a Christian. I was absolutely desperate to be invited to church. Sunday after Sunday rolled on, she didn't invite me. Uh, one day I plucked up the courage to invite myself along and she was really surprised. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. And uh, she said, yeah, come along. Um, and when I look back now, so that was when I was 19, I'm now 46. Um, and when I look back to where I was and what my life could have been, I really look on that as a, as a sort of life-saving event in many senses of the word. Um, I ditched uh, an England rugby-playing boyfriend at the time. I started listening to different music. I had a whole uh, new group of friends, and um, they really felt like family. It was a real uh, moment for me. And the first book of the Bible I read after becoming a Christian was Matthew. And I think that's probably why I've uh, chosen something from Matthew um, for us to look at. And one of the parables that has always like, really stuck with me is this one. Um, so just sort of thinking about that for a moment, one of the other things that I've come across recently that made me think again about this parable was uh, there was a survey carried out amongst older people and, and they were asked to look back at life and, so, and if they could ask their younger selves, what are the two things you would have told yourself if you were younger? So you're at one end of life, and if you could speak to your younger self, what advice would you give your younger self? What are the two things? So anybody hazard a guess? What are the two big things that you might tell your younger self? <laughs> Eat your five a day. <laughs> there are some really exciting things, but anyway, I'll tell you anyway. So, so this survey, the, the big things that came out were take more risks and uh, do something or take part in something that outlives you. So these aren't necessarily Christians. So take more risks and do something or take part in something that outlives you. I thought that was quite profound. So as I said today, I'll just tell you a bit about myself and relate some of the things I've learned and some of the things I'm trying to do in context of this parable. But if you want to keep that in mind about taking more risks, doing something that outlives you. So uh, as I said, I'm Jenny Button. I'm married with three children, aged 22, 15 and 12. Um, added to that last year in our some kind of wisdom, we, we decided to get a puppy, so things are quite chaotic at home. Um, I am a GP um, in Honiton. On paper, I'm part-time. I actually work 40 to 50 hours per week. That says something about the NHS. Um, I'm an executive partner of the practice. We employ over 80 staff. I'm clinical director of two other practices. And just thinking about the last couple of years, when COVID kicked off, I had to overnight completely redesign patient services. 
Uh, we delivered COVID vaccinations to thousands of patients. We set up a new COVID treatment centre at a local hospital in record time. I was one of four GPs meeting regularly to uh, resolve COVID issues throughout the whole of Devon. And, and then during COVID, because of the fear of COVID, I was threatened physically. I was subject to a malicious campaign where somebody threatened to take me to the papers. I had news channels wanting to interview me. <laughs> it was all very weird. Um, but why I tell you all that, I think that's really just to set a bit of context of the things I've been learning over the last few years to say, you know, answer, or sort of answer that question, you know, how do you get through? How do you survive? How do you, not only that, how do you thrive and be fruitful? fruitful? And I think the answer really lies in being filled with and depending on the Holy Spirit, or as we've um, already mentioned this evening, to be naturally supernatural. So that's what we're going to be thinking about. So verse 21 talks about um, uh, sort of a warning, really, isn't it, about uh, the seed and, and the lack of a root being um, a threat to us and our fruitfulness. And I really think that serves to remind us to tend to our faith, to, um, to be praying, to be reading the Bible, to be meeting with other Christians, to be worshipping together, and to be filled with the Spirit. And a while back, like during all this time, um, my husband and I, Pete and I, we began praying for each other to be filled with the Spirit before we, we left the house in the morning. And that's made a massive difference. Another goal, I think. <laughs> Not, you know, just saying. Um, so, um, also, first thing in the morning... Oh, my gosh, I don't know if I can carry on. It's so exciting. So, first thing in the morning, I also have this little rule that I don't let myself read anything else until I've read the Bible, and that kind of really helps as well. And a few years ago, I started doing the Bible in One Year HTB app. Um, but this year, I've let myself off that, and I'm just loving reading the Bible a bit more slowly and taking time over bits of scripture that jump out, and I'm really loving that. And what I've found is that you can really pray um, that God will give you a hunger to read the Bible if you're lacking enthusiasm, as well as praying for understanding. And when things were really difficult during those last few years of the COVID, um, I did find I really struggled to concentrate, but I found I could still read the Psalms, for example, and I was just reflecting, I know I really love that, that the Bible's so varied. You know, we can find bits of scripture that we can really engage in. So that sort of time in the morning is really great because um, it kind of sets you on track, doesn't it? Um, but it's quite hard to do. And I always feel the need to get into work as soon as possible because our phones go over from the out-of-hours doctors at eight. I want to get there early to do some paperwork. I'd like to see the children. I did, I'd like to go for a run as well. All of that is sounding pretty ambitious. <laughs> so I've really learned, um, like early on in our marriage, we didn't have a lot of money and we had to uh, learn to trust God with that. And now I'm feeling I'm sort of in that phase of learning to trust him with time and energy as well. So money was early on, now it's more time and energy. And time and time again, I do make the mistake of trying to go solo, um, but realise that we're not really designed to do life like that. And uh, so just having that time, having that space in the morning, setting us on track for the day has been incredibly important. And even amongst all that busyness and that sort of um, people sort of life that we have, I have in particular with my career, um, I do feel God really reminding me that actually what's done in secret, our kind of secret, kind of 
hidden almost prayer life with him is so much more important than what we do you know it's the whole thing of being not doing and he just keeps reminding me of that keeps reminding me of that and I, I was reading recently and just again just reading through Matthew just how many times that Jesus goes to those lonely places I know that's often pointed out but just really struck struck about that again so verse 22 talks about the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth making the seed or the plant unfruitful and I don't know whether you do any gardening but if you do one of the things you don't want in your garden is something called bindweed which goes coils around plants and it kind of really chokes them it's difficult to dig out as well Uh, so we have quite a big garden we have almost an acre and we moved in a a few years ago and the house hadn't been occupied for a couple of years and there were literally bindweed and brambles up to here and my husband borrowed a petrol strimmer and was out there for about three days and um, it's just incredible stuff anyway this is what I think about when I read this that kind of bindweed coiling around everything and all these lovely shrubs can't grow because they've got something growing around them And I'm just reflecting, it's just so easy to get caught up in life's ups and downs and for that to consume your whole thinking, particularly if those things are worrying. And I don't know about you, but I've often found myself spiralling down a thought pathway and realised I've wasted a lot of time. And also, I've forgotten to pray. And that can really consume us, all that worry can consume us. And then when we want to listen to what God's saying to us and what he wants us to do or how he wants us to be in a, situa- in a situation, there's not really the space. So you can see how that can kind of impact on our fruitfulness. Uh, so Pete and I spent a bit of time with YWAM in Uganda. And one of the things um, when we were doing our what's called discipleship training school there, one of the things we talked about was our thought lives. And... Um, Uh, I remember somebody speaking to us saying to us about you know when you get these unhelpful thoughts you can just toss them out like you put them into a metaphorical rubbish bin just toss them out and um, I found that pictures really helped me just to know you know I do have control over my thoughts I can just toss out the unhelpful ones and focus on the good stuff and uh, the Bible talks about taking captive every thought and making it obedient to Christ So just thinking about that, let's unblock our minds a little bit with some of the worry and anxiety. And um, the the Bible really talks quite a lot about, doesn't it, about giving our worry and anxiety to God and not holding on to that so we don't have that churn in our minds. We've got the space to think and to hear and to act. So the opposite is true. When when we don't have all of that sort of consuming our thinking, uh, you know, we we can be fruitful. So um, the last little warning before we get on to the exciting stuff um, is around wealth and the deceitfulness of wealth. And that's quite a big topic, isn't it? And it's a big issue for us, privileged enough to be living in the UK. Um, And so, as I mentioned, when we were first married, we were both training. We didn't have enough money. And I was really frightened about being able to pay bills. And um, whilst we have some amazing stories of God's provision, what I've learned is that with a little or relatively a lot, um, you can still obsess about having enough and having, um, having things. And um, it can all just take over. So I found that when we didn't have a much and I found that still a challenge now. One of the things that helps me break the power of that is, is giving. 
and um, that's a supernatural act isn't it being generous and giving giving uh, and uh, yeah being generous and there's always more you can spend your, your money on so just moving in the opposite spirit I found really helpful so that's all the warnings let's get on to the more exciting stuff <laughs> so, verse 23 so we've navigated our way through all the hurdles so we've talked about uh, worry and wealth and um, we've talked about the importance of the secret life so let's have a little think about this fruitfulness then so was it 30 60 or 100 times that sounds pretty good doesn't it um so this is thriving by hearing the word and understanding it so that's understanding and putting it into practice and you might know that pete and i are involved in alpha and um and one of the reasons that we're involved in that is that we feel quite passionate about that thing of explaining the gospel you know really helping people to understand and that can take some weeks months or or years sometimes and the other thing about alpha is i going back to how I first became a Christian I just remember wanting to be invited come on invite me to church so I always now think like that you know when I don't have the courage I always think well maybe that person's waiting to be invited like I was you know um so just in the context of fruitfulness as well I don't know whether anybody's read that book um quite a lot of people have now the ruthless elimination of hurry uh, John Mark Homer is quite famous now and we talked a bit about it a weekend away, didn't we, a few months ago. And there are two things, having read that book, that really stayed with me in the context of being fruitful. And um, one of them is about taking a Sabbath rest, um, which actually I found incredibly difficult. But I can't remember when we started having Saturdays as a complete day off with absolutely no job lists, not even jobs around the house, no agendas, nothing. It's just heaven, aren't it? Well, it is heaven. And um, I've just, it's helped me to really get through other, what can be like really, really busy weeks. So I've loved that. And even the kids don't get nagged at to do their homework on Saturdays. It's like a proper family day off, you know. And the other second thing I've learned reading that book was um, also about recognising your capacity. Like we all have different contexts and we're made all differently. And um, just that thing of not really comparing yourself to others all the time, particularly about um, when it comes to things like being productive and achieving. Um, and I found that really liberating. And that's really helped me to be gracious towards myself, but also towards others as well. So taking a rest, but also recognising your own capacity, not comparing yourselves with others. So for me personally, at this stage of life, God's really speaking to me about the children being the number one priority in terms of the sort of advancing the kingdom. So really discipling them and teaching them, talking to them about their faith and sharing mine. And I once went to a really useful talk where the speaker talked about the importance of just being real and sharing your faith journey with teens. So being quite visible about reading your Bible, praying, and again, being natural with the supernatural, making praying for healing normal, speaking in tongues, prophecy, just all those things are just like normal. They're normal for us as Christians. They're normal to do it when you're washing up. They're normal on a Sunday morning. They're just normal. We do it. This is what happens when you're a Christian. So, as I mentioned before, I'm a GP and that does consume a few hours in the week now. And um, what does that look like in terms of fruitfulness? 
so there are a few <laughs> fly on the wall programs about being a doctor and uh, I don't watch them but um, if you have you might have a bit of an insight um, so as, as you can imagine it's a very people 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 job and people's lives are challenging and complicated at times um, and you can use your imagination but uh, some of those situations are really really difficult and some people are unwell, they're frightened, they're grieving, maybe dying, abused, maybe in a dark place of, uh, because of mental illness or physical illness. But so there's lots of, lots of stuff. And, you know, it's really difficult to be the person in that situation sometimes. And um, there's just so many examples. I was trying to think of a good story, um, but partly because of patient confidentiality and partly because it's now normal for me. There are loads of examples where I've prayed about a really difficult patient situation, uh, wisdom to know how to manage the situation. And I often pray um, for wisdom beyond my years and experience. That phrase keeps coming back to me, wisdom beyond years and experience. What to say, how to manage it, a bit of extra compassion when I'm a bit tired and I've run out of steam. And there are little tricks I've learned through the day so usually I sort of sit the patient down, I go through their story, what's been happening, and then I usually like to examine them. And as I get the curtain around the, the couch, that's when I say a little prayer as I'm whipping the curtain around. <laughs> and, um, and I just really love that because that gives me just a moment to kind of say to God, okay, this person's clearly upset, they're unburdening themselves, they've got a lot of worry or there's stuff going on. And, uh, and I want to say the right thing, do the right thing, uh, make 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 the most sensible plan going forward, be it medication or whatnot. Um, but just to be able to have that bit of insight, and I think that's what I mean by naturally supernatural, just having those moments in the day when you're just calling on God to help you out. And um, and sometimes it's just I've just had these amazing times where. So the patient's been there and I've been listening to them and I'm asking God, okay, God, what's going on with this person? How can I really help? And God just gives me a bit of insight and you can really sense the Holy Spirit working through you and that like connection. The patient really feels like, oh, yeah, I've, I've been listened to, I'm heard, I've got a plan. This is great. And um, I just love it. It's just, yeah, the patient doesn't know. I'm not saying... Now I'm going to wait on God and we're going to hear, you know, it's all just, it's all just natural. It's all just going on. Um, so, so church, isn't it? It's a great place to practice all of this. We can practice hearing God for each other. And then in the week, we can then do it a bit differently, but we're still using the same skills. We're still learning to hear God's voice and, um, and put that into practice in the week. So that brings us back to the time of any time, any, any place, anywhere, anyone. <laughs> we'll get it right, won't we, at the end of the summer. Um, so, so I also think not just at work, but, you know, we've, had lo we've got loads of stories. I'm sure everybody's got loads of stories, but the things that really stand out to me are, uh, you know, Pete and I used to do some work on the streets and we would often pray with drug addicts and with they particularly... Um, prone to things like dental abscesses and things, and we've seen amazing healings with that. Um, we used to do a bit of work with prostitutes as well, and I remember meeting uh, one, per one person who was her first night on the street. She'd come out and 
her friend had said, come on, it's easy, and she wanted some more money for stuff in her flat, and she got out and she was petrified, and we just booked her a taxi and sent her right back home because she realised, you know, but we were just there at that moment and could, you know, so it's just being aware, isn't it, asking God, you know, what are you doing? How can, you know, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to join in with what you're doing? And then, you know, Saturday night at a party, drinking your Prosecco, having a chat with your friends. We've had other amazing opportunities. And in the town where we live, we live in Ottery, um, we have started doing something a bit like the summer breakfast. You know, we've been uh, um, like running sort of breakfast for families on Sunday mornings and for people on the edges of church. And it's just amazing to see those people praying we're also seeing healings we're teaching them how to pray which is just incredible and uh, (laughs) you know these are our friends that we live with and they you know it's just absolutely incredible to see people on the edges of church learn how to you know like draw close to God and learn how to pray and pray for healing and it's just amazing and then they're seeing they're they're seeing the healings happen it's just just amazing just keeps going on you know um and then yeah on on the subject of breakfast the one one of the guys who always used to make this lovely breakfast bread but he always never used to join in with the christian bit and uh, anyway he eventually did and then after several months when he'd done this lovely breakfast for those people we were able to share our faith with him and his teenage son in his front room i thought wow i'm sitting on your sofa you made me breakfast and I'm just telling you about Jesus. <laughs> That's really amazing, isn't it? So, um, so there's loads of stuff like that. Um, but going back to work, um, so I've had a few opportunities to tell my patients about my faith, but not so many, um, you know, explicitly. I have sometimes, but it's really, it's difficult to be that explicit because of, there's a sort of power imbalance in that relationship and they've come to see me as a professional. But sometimes I do know some of my patients really well, and sometimes I kind of sort of close the kind of professional conversation and say, "Okay, you've asked me, asked me, how do I cope or what 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 I'm doing?" And I'm able to say, as well as I love running, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I can say that I'm a Christian. So I have been able to invite one patient to Alpha. Certainly told others I'm a Christian, and it's just sort of being a bit wise about that, given the context. I think that's really important. But from a staff perspective, <laughs> I've asked a few people, and um, one, I invited one chap to Alpha, and he, go, and he was like, oh, brilliant, I've always wanted to do the Alpha course. Oh, he could have knocked me over with a feather. <laughs> and then somebody else um, I asked said, oh, do you know, that's really funny. I keep being invited to Alpha, maybe I should do it. <laughs> so um, that was quite good as well. Um, so, but, you know, it this is real life isn't it and it is hard and that's why we need to uh, keep going with the kind of secret the secret life as well the kind of prayer and all the investment that we do behind the scenes um, so that we can be fruitful because the temptations are massive and for me the temptations to moan and gossip are huge um, but try my best but I'm definitely not there yet and um, I just wanted us to kind of just pause a moment and reflect on that that survey you know um all those people that said remember take more risks do something or take part in something that outlives you and then going back to the parable be fruitful uh, be naturally supernatural you know um walk with jesus and um and set up those habits that are useful and helpful 
And I just wanted to finish with this verse from Philippians 3, which, again, most of you will know, I'm sure. But it says this, Not that I have already obtained all this, or, or, already, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, I forget what is behind, straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. So I know that's quite, quite a lot of content, but um, if you want to just take a moment with me now, I thought what we would do is um, stand if you, if you want to, if you're able and what we're going to do is we're just going to ask God to, to fill us with the Holy Spirit, to make us fruitful. And if there's something that, that I've said or something that God's been speaking to you about tonight that you want prayer for, then I'd encourage you to do that and we'll give some opportunity for that.